0: Shalom, this is Beth, Elohim Messianic Synagogue, Rabbi Thomas Davis Hart, bringing you teaching on Parashah number 4, Vayera, He Appeared, Bereshit, that's Genesis 18:1 through 22:24. And I'll preface this uh, teaching by saying, if you enjoy what you're hearing, please consider donating to support this ministry. If you have any questions, comments, or subjects you would like me to explore for you, please go on to our website at rabdavis.org click on Ask the Rabbi link and I'll be happy to get back with you and answer your questions. So this is a narrative describing Abraham's profound attribute of hospitality and the continued tests or learning opportunities as we call them today continues. The beginning scene has Abraham sitting at the entrance to his tent after recently being circumcised and this is an important detail as we move forward and learn that he ran to meet the three men, one of whom we now know was Yeshua, incognito, so to speak. However, it mattered not who these men were. To Abraham, they were men to whom he would do his best to feed, provide water, and give a place to rest. He did not hesitate to provide the best of his food, providing tender calf, curds, and milk, this is meat and dairy, by the way, and the best flour for cakes. This is a lesson for us. Abraham was obviously in pain from his recent circumcision, but he ran to the men, not hesitating to provide them without them even asking for anything. Obviously, we must be discerning as we live for God and try to be hospitable to our fellow man in today's society. But the idea is that the thought of helping others should be at the forefront of our minds and not a last thought. The Ruach will guide us as we pray for discernment and wisdom in all things. Notice that in uh, chapter 18, 9, the scripture states, they said to him, this is Abraham, where is Sarah your wife? And then in verse 10 we read, he said. What's going on with the change in pronouns here? So in subsequent verses we're told that one of the men was Adonai. The fact that Sarah laughed when one of the men told her she would have a son the following year indicates that she did not know she was talking to God or Yeshua. Regardless, we certainly can't judge her harshly as the odds of her having a child at her advanced age would normally have been impossible. To make things worse, after she laughed, she lied about it. Fear is often the source of lying, and there's no doubt Sarah must have experienced fear when the man was able to know Sarah had laughed to herself. I know this fear uh, and subsequent lying routine uh, well. I remember when I was a child? I loved animals, and I still do. And we had a goldfish that I really wanted to hold. My mother kept telling me, don't reach into the bowl and try to hold the fish. You'll hurt it or kill it. She had to go out to take my bigger brother to school, and while she was gone, of course, I defied her instructions, and I tried to get a hold of the fish. Unfortunately, I pulled part of its tail off, and I knew now that I was in trouble. When my mom came back, I was in the back corner of the bedroom, And I was kind of curled up, waiting to see what she would do. And she came in and asked me uh, what had happened. And I told her I didn't know. Then she asked me if I tried to hold the fish, and I didn't say anything. And then she said, you know, when people lie, they get little dots on their tongue that show up. Show me your tongue. Well, of course, I was had. I didn't open my mouth, and my my mom knew I was lying and I got the appropriate spanking, and I never did that again. So there is fear, and it's often the source of lying, and there's no doubt that Sarah must have experienced fear when the man was able to know Sarah had laughed to herself. Now the Kumash, which is a Jewish commentary on the Torah, uh, identifies the three men as Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, uh, the archangels, but there is no evidence to support this opinion, and in fact, we see later that Adonai identifies himself as one of the men when we're examining the hebrew first we notice that the name of the place where the meeting took place where the three men met abraham was mamre and that means fellowship we know that yeshua seeks to fellowship with his creation and this meeting was a great place to start fellowship with abraham who was to be the father of many nations next we're told in the very first sentence in genesis 18:1 that adonai appeared to abraham by the oaks of mamre The aim of this introduction is to make it clear that the three men are an apparition of the divine. Indeed, one of the men, I submit, was Yeshua as Adonai, as we'll soon explore. The change of person takes place from verse 9 to 10, and it says, They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And Abraham said, There in the tent. And then it says, He said, I will certainly return to you around this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. In verse 13, Adonai said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and ask, am I really going to bear a child when I am so old? At this point, we see Adonai on earth as Yeshua communicating with Abraham and Sarah. He even knew Sarah laughed to herself, even though she didn't laugh out loud. This knowledge is consistent with Yeshua's omniscience and his teachings that took obedience and violation of his commands to a new level in the so-called New Testament more correctly named the Breit Kadashah, the Refreshed, Renewed Covenant. In the next passage, Adonai, as Yeshua, talks to himself, revealing his oneness with Adonai, and we know this. We know that our God is one, Echad, He is a complex, compound unity, not a trinity. In uh, chapter 18, 19, it reads, For I have made myself known to him, that he will give orders to his children and to his household after him, to keep the way of Adonai and do what is right and just, so that Adonai may bring about for Avraham what he has promised to him." And remember, there was this conversation between God and Yeshua in Genesis one when he said, let us make man in our image. We'll talk more about that in a few moments because it can be very confusing to those who are not well-grounded in energy and its various forms. So we know the promise that he gave to Abraham was that it will culminate in bringing Israel, that's all true believers, to the Promised Land yet to be occupied. And the next passage once again reveals the complex unity of Yahweh Yeshua. Genesis 18:20 reads, Adonai said, the outcry against Saddam and Amorah is so great and their sin is so serious, I will now go down to see whether their deeds warrant the outcry that has reached me, if not, I will know. The men turned away from there and went towards Saddam, but Abraham remained standing before Adonai. How could he stand before Adonai if God is in heaven looking down? Well, this is very possible because of who God is and how he is made up. So looking at these verses, it reveals Adonai speaks from above, yet remains on the ground speaking to Abraham. And as I said, this is a difficult concept to understand. But if we look at the dynamics of energy, It's easier to understand. Now, there are a couple of states of energy, kinetic and potential. Now, kinetic energy is that which a body possesses by virtue of being in motion. Now, it's defined as the work needed to accelerate a body of a given mass from rest to its stated velocity. Now, having gained this energy during its acceleration, the body maintains this kinetic energy unless its speed changes. Potential energy is that possessed by a body by virtue of its position relative to others stresses within itself Electrical charge and other factors. So how does this relate to our Padasha and our relationship to God? God is a form of intelligent energy. He's not this um, huge blob floating around out there or something that we can equate to uh, the Wizard of Oz he is an intelligent energy. He is the only one of his kind. He is unknowable, but we can get an idea of how he can be in more place at one t- more than one place at a time if he chooses. One example is described in our parasha. While Adonai and perhaps Yeshua and the Ruach may have been physical manifestations of this complex unity of the Godhead, heaven was certainly not vacated when these three quote-unquote men came to Abraham. And we see many examples of Yeshua manifested as an angel before he came to earth as God incarnate. Look through the Torah and you will see. Furthermore, he became incarnate as Yeshua to teach us his slash his father's commands. They're one and the same. It's ridiculous to think that the laws of God were nailed to the cross when Yeshua was crucified. He would not abrogate his own father's commands. This is ridiculous, and I just pray that there are Christians out there who are curious enough to ask me more about that. These changes can be attributed to his ability to manipulate his energy and state of being to meet the objective of his mission at the time. Energy can be thought of as a phenomenon constantly transforming and manifesting itself in different ways just as we read through God's Torah. Now this is not the same as saying that god changes for he never changes in the context of his commands laws and statutes neither does he change in his attributes in this context he is the same yesterday today and forever yet god being who he is and how he created the universe and all of the energy in and outside of the universe has the ability to maintain himself as any form of matter whether it be as an angel a man or the messiah as he is and always will be I submit Yahweh used this ability to place that embryo that would manifest as the future Messiah in Miriam's womb, this transfer of energy. Kinetic energy transformed to potential energy for Miriam and Yosef to raise Yeshua according to God's instructions. There's much more information that we can learn by studying energy as it relates to the Godhead and God's Torah. But I wanted to provide this information to hopefully stimulate the reader or the listener of this lesson to investigate this relationship further. It's incredible. Now, moving on, Abraham begins pleading for the life of sinners and the righteous alike. Unfortunately, he pleads under an incorrect premise that there are any righteous in Saddam. This account makes it clear that Abraham's religion is more than a set of cultic practices. It embraces human beings concern for their welfare and abraham's faith in god's righteousness abraham does not doubt the existence of god's justice he only asks the extent of its limitations this chesed this unmerited kindness of god is demonstrated in this account the bible makes it clear that man may with impunity question the actions of god he wants us to seek ask and knock like Abraham, man need not surrender his own sense of justice He remains free to accept or reject the divine judgment, although he will have to submit to it in the end. Man is not reduced to a moral automation. Free will is preserved just as it will be during the tribulation. Only those who want to continue to buy and sell will be compelled to take the mark of the beast. At the end of this account between Abraham and Adonai, Yeshua, it's important to note that Adonai went on his way as soon as he had finished speaking to Avraham and Avraham returned to his place. How do we know Adonai returned to heaven? The next verse mentions only two angels coming to Saddam that evening. Now it says, the two men, it doesn't say any two men or two more men, the or the two men. So we know it's part of that group of three that went to Saddam. Now we have the character of Lot reintroduced. We find him sitting at the gate of Sin City in the next passage. While his uncle Abraham hurried to serve the three men at his tent, even though he was in pain, Lot at least demonstrates a level of hospitality consistent with the custom of the time in that he offers his virgin daughters to the homosexual deviants, attempting to break down his door to get to the two men, angels, staying with him. The angels strike the men outside with blindness and warn Lot to get his family out of Saddam pending its destruction. Keep in mind, in today's society, we have that same demonic spirit of Ishtar, who was the queen goddess of promiscuity, prostitution, gender changing, and the like. And this was the same spirit that was filling Saddam. The angels revealed to Lot that Adonai sent them to destroy the city. Therefore, we know that Adonai was now located in another place, heaven, and was no longer with the two. It's also apparent that Lot had two married daughters and two virgin daughters. This is in Genesis 1914 and 1916. From the narrative, we must assume that the married daughters chose to stay with their sodomite husbands and were lost. Lot's attachment to Sodom and entrenched in the world is apparent as he pleads with the men, the angels, to flee to a small city near Saddam, still in the plains." In other words, he was literally wanting to settle for a stick horse when he could have had a thoroughbred. Lot could not ascend to the hills admonished by the men. He chose to assume a lesser life, remaining on a linear level with sin. Like the angel who relented and allowed Lot to assume a lesser existence than the one God planned for him in the hills, God allows us to settle for mediocre lives if we insist on remaining comfortable and decline opportunity to take risk by climbing the road less traveled that ascends to a higher place and a closer relationship with Yahweh Yeshua. Now Lot's wife could not let go of the life in Saddam and she died. As she reflected on her past, looked back with regret and ignored her future. This is one reason God led the Israelites into the desert on a path that took forty years instead of three weeks. He kept them from looking back at Egypt, even though they still complained about food, no less. The sins of Saddam and Amorah are worth exploring and understanding, so we may avoid similar behaviors and be set apart as God's people in our ever-increasing pagan society today. This can only be accomplished through clinging to God's Torah and following it. Sodomites were inhospitable and sexually deviant. But while sexual deviant practices are strongly condemned in the Torah, God emphasizes social aberrations as the reason for the city's destruction. Ezekiel, for instance, describes the sins of Saddam in social terms. Pride, fullness of bread, and careless ease was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor or needy, and they were haughty. The tradition of Saddam's moral insensitivity based on the way sodomites treated strangers, highlighted to a biblical man the community's essential depravity. During this time in history, hospitality included much more than good manners. It meant the treatment and acceptance of strangers and was a vital aspect of religion. To make things worse, Sodom was rich and an affluent city, just as our country is, but is quickly declining, as we can easily see. Social evil, then cause the destruction of saddam the torah takes this account and turns it into a moral lesson for all time affluence without social concern is self-destructive it hardens the conscience against repentance it engenders cruelty and excess the treatment accorded newcomers and strangers was then and may always be considered a touchstone of a community's moral condition now, our Haftarah is out of Second Kings 4, 1 through 37. Just as God promises a child to Abraham and Sarah, despite childless Sarah's advanced age, this week's Haftarah describes a similar incident that occurred many years later. The prophet Elisha assuring an elderly, childish woman that she would bear a child. The Haftarah discusses two miracles performed by Elisha. The first miracle involved a widow who was heavily in debt, and her creditors were threatening to take her two sons as slaves to satisfy the debt. When the prophet asked her what she had in her home, she responded that she had nothing but a vial of oil. Elisha told her to gather as many empty containers as possible, borrowing from neighbors and friends as well. She should then pour the oil from her vial into the empty containers. She did as she was commanded without question, and miraculously the oil continued to flow, until the last empty jug was filled the woman sold the oil for a handsome profit and had enough money to repay her debts and live comfortably note it doesn't say she lived in excess she lived comfortably the second one elisha would often pass by the city of shunam where he would dine and rest at the home of a certain hospitable couple who even built a special addition onto their home as a guest-room for him When he learned that the couple was childless, he blessed that woman that she should give birth to a child in exactly a year's time, and indeed she did. A few years later, the son complained of a headache and died shortly thereafter. The Shunammite woman laid the lifeless body on the bed in Elisha's designated room and quickly summoned him. He hurried to the woman's home and miraculously brought the boy back to life. Nothing is impossible with God. Our break Kadeshah is out of James chapter 2. This passage and the connection to the Padasha needs only limited commentary. And it says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone claims to have faith but has no actions, Christians call those works, to prove it? Is such faith able to save him? No. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food and someone says to him, Shalom, keep warm and eat hearty without giving him what he needs. What good does it do? So thus, faith by itself, unaccompanied by actions or works, is dead. This is according to God's Torah. But someone will say that you have faith and I have actions. Show me this faith of yours without the actions, and I will show you my faith by my actions. You believe that God is one? Good for you. The demons believe it too. The thought makes them shudder with fear. How many people shudder with fear? At the thought of God. But foolish fellow, do you want to be shown that such faith apart from actions is barren? Wasn't Abraham Avinu, that means Father Abraham, declared righteous because of actions when he offered up his son Yishak, or Isaac, on the altar? You see that his faith worked with his actions. By the actions, the faith was made complete, and the passage in the Tanakh was fulfilled which says, Abraham had faith in God and it was credited to his account as righteousness. He was even called God's friend. You see that a person is declared righteous because of his actions and not because of his faith alone. This is also in the so-called New Testament in the book of Hebrews. There's at least ten different examples in Hebrews that speaks of how actions are related to faith and how those together are related to someone being identified by God as righteous. We have grace and law. This is an inextricable relationship we cannot do without. We are not saved by grace alone. We're saved by grace and a loving obedience to God's Torah. Faith is action based on belief. There's an inextricable relationship between faith and works grace and law, day and night, good and evil. Our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is a consistent God, never changing, seeking fellowship with us just as he did with Abraham. If we are to establish and grow that relationship, we must emulate Yeshua just as Abraham did. And I'll tell you, Yeshua never ate pork or shellfish. He never celebrated Christmas or Easter. I, I beseech anyone who celebrates these pagan holidays and eats this forbidden food to start studying while it's still day. Learn, seek, ask, and knock, and God will give you the wisdom and the knowledge to know that what you're doing is not according to his Torah, and he will not honor intentions alone. If we're to establish and grow this relationship, we need to emulate Yeshua. Abraham did not have any knowledge of Yeshua you say well reread genesis 18:19, for I have made myself known to him So that he will give orders to his children and to his household after him to keep the way of Adonai And to do what is right and just so that Adonai may bring about for Abraham what he has promised him God's Torah his instructions are true yesterday today and forever and I pray you seek the truth and wisdom to use it according to God's Torah. Shalom.